Hello and welcome back to Brailcast Extra. My name is Matthew Horsepool and this is a recording of a masterclass which took place on Tuesday the 20th of June 2023. So today's masterclass is all about reading. It's a particularly about your reading speed and your reading fluency. And this is a topic that we've been asked about a lot at the Brailleists Foundation and we don't really have any clear answers. However, somebody who we hope will uh, give some clear answers, perhaps not all of them, uh, and there will probably be more to explore after this masterclass, but certainly someone who's been looking into this a lot is Chantelle Griffiths. Chantelle Griffiths is no stranger to the Braillists, of course. Uh, you'll have heard her moderate many of our events so far. But outside the Braillists, uh, she's done many things and is currently the Chief Executive Officer of New Zealand's Tactile and Technology Literacy Centre, uh, which is not dissimilar to the Braillists Foundation over in New Zealand. So I'm delighted that Chantelle has taken uh, some time today to talk to us about reading speed and reading fluency. And uh, without further ado, I shall just turn it over to Chantelle. Uh, Chantelle, good morning. Good, good morning. Good evening. <laughs> um, it's absolutely fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me um, to, to do this class. It's my absolute honour to be here and to speak to you all. So just... Um, a bit of a brief background on me, Matthew's already touched a little bit on it, but I've been a touch braille reader since childhood. And I started out as a proofreader specializing in music braille and then became a transcriber. From there, I became a braille and adaptive technology instructor for adults in the vision rehabilitation sector here in New Zealand. And I have a really keen interest in teaching braille to adults and also in tactile graphics. Those are the two areas I'm really keen on. I'm also a musician and a tap dancer and a massage therapist. And the reason I tell you this, it is relevant. It's because the inspiration for a lot of the movement-based experiments that we're going to try today in our practical session come from that background that I have. So just a little bit of context about the class. As Matthew said, one of the things that we and I get asked a lot about is braille reading technique. So how to improve reading speed and accuracy and the actual techniques themselves of reading braille, what's actually involved. And the interesting thing is that one feeds very much into another. So we're hoping that there'll be something here for everyone at any level. So whether you're a beginner or you're more advanced, you read uncontracted or contracted braille. And anywhere on your blindness journey as well. So we'll be talking about reading braille by touch, not by sight today. So if you do happen to have some braille handy, that would be absolutely amazing. If you've got some hard copy braille, that would, that would be ideal. But if you don't, um, electronic braille is absolutely fine. It would also be great if you could have one or two objects handy that are absolutely nothing to do with Braille whatsoever. So something, something a little bit different that feels nothing like Braille. And we'll go into more detail about why that is a little bit later on in the session today. We want this to be a really practical hands-on session where at all possible there'll be a bit of talking and a bit of exploring. And I really want you to be curious about this, curious to explore, even if you've read Braille for a long time, because 
uh, some of the movement experiments that we're going to do involve your hands and arms to illustrate certain concepts and they may take you out of your usual braille reading comfort zone. Okay, so just trust the process and have fun, have a bit of a laugh uh, and absolutely enjoy the experience and explore along with us. We'll be going quite fast because there's a lot to cover. So take your time with the experiments though. So uh, you can still be doing them while we're talking. And of course, as Matthew mentioned, there'll also be a podcast and a handout that you can refer to later. And I'm also trying to think of other ways that I can support you in this learning because it's a little bit different. And always remember that we start where we are. So um, don't worry about if you feel like you're reading really slowly or you're not all that confident. That's absolutely fine. We, we, we all have to start somewhere. So we'll start here together. Okay, so what is reading? So I've kind of tried to break it down into a definition that makes sense to me. And I think that it, reading is the ability to make meaningful connections between written symbols and concepts that we understand. So for example, you could physically read, touch or see a symbol or character, but not necessarily know what it means. So, for example, you might come across some text in another language that you haven't learned yet. So in Braille, when you're encountering an unfamiliar sign or a contraction could be a, a, an example of this, a symbol that you don't understand yet. So reading is the ability to not only recognize the character, but to associate that written character with concepts that mean something to us. So with that in mind, think about why you chose to learn Braille or why you continue to use it if you've been using it for a while, like I have. What makes reading in Braille important to you? What has meaning for you? And what is your why for wanting to read and continue to read and improve your technique? Some people might be using Braille for a host of different reasons, such as reading for leisure, labeling or household items, maybe for um, spending time with kids, friends and family, uh, learning or academic use, and maybe even employment or a combination of these things. Many of us use um, Braille for many things. So what actually happens when we read? So this is a majorly simplified explanation and I'm in no way qualified to talk about the science of reading or the vision side of it because I'm a touch reader, but let's explore some concepts together. So when you are a visual reader, you're interacting with information from a distance. So you're learning to interpret information that is non-tangible. That means you can't touch it. So, for example, uh, not in a reading context, but if you are told that something is red hot and if you can see that, if you're familiar with that concept, if something's red hot, you might not be able to feel the heat until you get closer to it. But emphasis and received wisdom and all that um, experience, I guess, tells you that if something's glowing like that, you don't really want to touch it. So a visual reader can only read well in a very small area of the eye. And that's in the center of the retina, and it's called the fovea, which is a dense collection of cells that help with clarity and focus. So the fovea receives information, but 
the eye constantly has to move and refocus multiple times a second. And because of this, contrary to my understanding and perhaps popular belief among blind people, um, the visual reading experience is not necessarily a smooth motion from left to right as it is with Braille because the eyes make these really tiny jerky eye movements multiple times in a second to protest to process some very small pieces of information and the brain's what joins all of that together so we still have to learn to process that information as a visual reader but it's usually done in childhood and with lots of um, reinforcement and I guess incidental chances to practice from the world around us so as a touch reader it's information that we can touch. It's tangible. So it has to be within reach and it has to be safe to touch. It's linear. So we only process what's directly under our fingers, whereas a visual learner might be able to see lots of things all at once. So the experience is very similar, actually, because we experience uh, our touch reading from a small area of the fingers called the finger pad. And we make... Uh, similar back and forth movements with our hands, except a little bit slower. So advanced readers, when they're actively reading some text uh, or they come across an unfamiliar word, they can quickly go back over that word and double check what it is without necessarily thinking about it in the way that a visual reader might read. It feels really slow when we're learning, but um, we're kind of more conscious of it too because we need to build up knowledge of what the characters actually feel like and what they mean and we're often doing it without having that constant reinforcement from the world around us so we have to make a conscious effort to do it the sense of touch itself isn't slow so if you imagine if you touch a hot element going back to that example again uh, you'll know about it pretty instantly so touch conveys information on a different level than sight as well. So for example, if you think about how you feel when you receive a hug. And interpreting touch takes work. It's not something that Western society in particular uh, values because sight is viewed as the primary sense. So what we're doing when we're learning to interpret the sense of touch for Braille is we're building neural pathways, so new connections in the brain and wiring it up differently so that we can process this information. And that takes time. And some people are really scared to use their sense of touch. And that's absolutely normal and understandable. Um, some people maybe are, are more recent to vision loss or have some unpleasant experiences. And that's absolutely okay. So talking about um, electronic versus hard copy braille for a moment. Both mediums are excellent in different ways, so it doesn't matter how you're reading. For example, hard copy Braille gives you that spatial awareness, so how things are laid out on a page. You get a sense of space. It also encourages you to physically move around the page. And in some instances, it can be faster and easier. So, for example, if you're doing mathematics or music, it could be easier to have information hard copy. You get experience reading on different angles. So for example, a horizontal page versus a vertical sign. And dot heights and spacing might be slightly different depending on where the brow was produced. It's also really great for tactile graphics. Whereas electronic braille is 
on most traditional displays, such as the orbit display that a lot of you are familiar with, uh, there's one line of Braille. That landscape is changing slightly, but for now we'll think of it as one line. You've got a consistent dot firmness. It's portable. The material is available from a wider range of sources. Uh, and it's relevant practice because in some cases you can connect it with your existing technology. So you can practice everyday reading, such as texts and emails, that incidental practice I was talking about. So when we think about our posture, I'm not going to spend terribly much time on this, but when we think about our posture, I like to think of being comfortable uh, as, as natural and comfortable as possible when we're reading. So when we're sitting down with our feet flat on the floor, if possible, and if we're using a table, um, which I hope that we are, if we're not, it's absolutely okay. But if we're using a table, make sure that it's at a comfortable height for you. And we want to think about relaxing our hands, arms, shoulders, back, neck, and head. So pretty much the whole top half of your body, you want to think about relaxing. And of course, we need to have warm hands. Um, because if we don't, I'm just warming up my hands, because if we don't, it makes it really hard to feel the dots under our fingers. So one of the things um, that I would like you to do for our first experiment together today is to find the braille that you've got nearby and to just gently run your hand over the braille. We're not, I'm not expecting you to actually read the braille, but I want you to have that sensation of the braille under your hands. Okay. So what is your first impression of the Braille as you're looking at it right now? How does it feel? So does it feel sharp or does it feel a little bit flat? Is it soft? Is it easy or hard to feel? Okay, that's our first little experiment. Now, what I'd like you to do is to find one of those, uh, those objects that you brought with you that feels absolutely nothing like Braille. And I'd love you to pick it up in both hands. And I'd love for you to begin to explore that object with your fingertips or your whole fingers, perhaps the palm of your hand or the back of your hand or even your wrist and your forearm. Just take some time now to explore this object and have a think about what jumps out at you, what your first impression is here. So you might notice things like texture or textures, size, temperature, shape, weight. Just anything really that stands out. So why are we discussing this first? Why are we not going straight into Braille? Well, this is called a reset object. At least that's what I call it. Because what it does is it helps to kind of recalibrate our brain and our hands during a, a Braille session or even before a session. And it draws your attention to, so it focuses your awareness on your sense of touch because it's easier to draw your attention to something rather than pull it away from something. It gives your hands something to do and something different to feel. And it also gives your hands and your brain a little bit of a break. So we'll fre frequently be coming back to the reset objects during the session. And I would love you to begin doing this during your braille practice as well. So if you just now um, take a look at the braille again, and notice what you what you are noticing now. So how does the braille feel now that you've done that reset exercise? And you can keep experimenting with that as I'm talking. Okay. So now we come to a technique that you may already do, but you never knew you knew. 
<laughs> and that is something that we like to call a hand scan. So that's where you run one or both hands over a page of Braille to find out where stuff is. So why do we do it? It's kind of akin to a, vis a visual glance at a page. And it gives us an idea of the spacing and the formatting of the Braille, so where it is on the page. And it's also a really good warm up for the hands. So right now we're going to do another experiment. So keep your Braille handy. And we're going to do something called a two-hand scan technique. And as I'm going through this, there are loads and loads of different ways you can do this. This is not, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just do whatever feels good. So if we like to place our hands flat on the page near the top center of the page, side by side with our thumbs touching, just nice and flat. So our whole hand is in contact with the page. And if we like to run our hands from left to right, apart from each other, towards each edge of the page. So left to right, towards the edges. And then as we move our hands towards our body down the page, we can bring our hands back in again towards the center. And keep moving down and draw our hands again outwards towards the outside. So this is one way, and you, so we're kind of like making a zigzag motion or an hourglass motion, if you're familiar with that concept. And this is one way that we can get a lot of information about a page very, very quickly. So I'd like you to notice where on your hands are you sensing text or space? So is it on your fingers, on your palms, maybe even on your wrists or your forearms? Because actually they play a really big part in hand scanning as well if, you don't, if you're not wearing something with sleeves. And are you comfortable moving one or both hands? Because some people aren't. Some people are just more comfortable moving one hand. Right, so the key to effective braille reading is motion. It's movement. And our hands must move to read. And that brings us to what I like to call the three C's of Braille reading. And these C's are code, context, and consistency. And this is actually something we can intentionally practice. We can intentionally practice each of these techniques. So the first C is code. So our primary focus when we're in code mode is the Braille characters themselves. So it's the smallest perspective. You've, you're zoomed right in as far as possible. So we're basically just concentrating on dots here. So we're deciphering the character shapes by touch first. And this, this is what builds up, begins to build up that process of neural pathways and recognizing the sense, uh, the characters under our fingers. So because we're literally rewiring our brain, we, it takes a longer time to master. So we might be doing in our practice smaller slower and more deliberate hand movements. So this you can practice it deliberately and I would encourage you to do so, but please don't get stuck on decoding. Don't get stuck in code mode because people can spend way too much time here and trying to figure out what everything is and they lose perspective. And perspective is otherwise known as context, which is our second C of the three C's. We've talked about code and now we're talking about context. Our bodies are not static. They're designed to move. And our experiences come through movement. So the physical experience of moving our bodies or 
even the mental experiences as our thoughts, feelings, and emotions change. So context only comes through motion. So remember when we talked about our definition of reading and we talked about making meaning from written characters? So the way we find meaning is to string all of those characters together into words and sentences, which can only be done through movement. So an example of this might be if we have dots one, four, and five, which is the letter D, but it could also be the word do. It could also be a number four. And it could also be in music terms, a C quaver or an eighth note. So how do we know which one it is? Exactly by moving through the text, by finding out what's around it to create this context. So when we're practicing context, we're zoomed out a little bit more. We're not focusing so much on the code, but the larger units such as words or multiple cell shapes. And we also might notice things like spacing, dot density, so how full a cell feels under your fingers and whether the dots are in the upper or lower part of the cell. You might find that you're practicing content, context when your hands are moving freer and perhaps even slightly faster with a much lighter touch as well. This is often the most challenging. So if code was, takes the most time, this is often the most challenging because you have to get used to kind of skipping over signs or shapes that you don't know and coming back to them. So while this helps to build up the shape recognition necessary for fluent reading, uh, it, for adults, it's actually really hard not to stop and try and figure out what's gone wrong. That will happen a lot of the time, but I would encourage you to just um, keep reading, keep moving your hands. Notice what jumps out at you first and then go back over it again. Don't be tempted to stop on an unfamiliar sign. Just notice, move on and come back. And you may find that you may have to do multiple passes, but this is great because it's not only practicing this skill of context, but it's also um, helping you pick up more. You'll, you'll notice more each time you go over a line. And try to read words as words rather than uh, as characters, especially if you're reading aloud. So both code and context work together really well to build accuracy. And accuracy comes first, always, always. Speed and fluency comes later as a result of having confidence in your accuracy. So most readers switch between code and context. So for example, if you find a difficult word or an unfamiliar shape, you might spend a little bit of time decoding that and then going back over and feeling it in context again. So remember the hand scan that we talked about? That's a perfect example of context in action. It's braille in motion. We're getting that context. So this helps, this context and this code helps to build a really solid foundation for our third C, which is consistency. So I think about consistency in two ways, consistent movement and consistent practice. So at any level, even when you're practicing code, try to move at a comfortable, steady pace. Don't worry about missing signs. Just move to the end of the line and come back. A cons consistent practice routine every day in short bursts is also really important until you get used to the act of reading itself. 
for more advanced readers, you could practice reading silently, then reading aloud and noticing the differences. But resist the temptation to read too fast at the expense of accuracy, because the speed will come. So we'll talk about the movement of the hands across a line of braille, which we call tracking. So the moving of the hands across the braille. For tracking to be successful, we need a really light touch. And funnily enough, the reset objects actually help with this. So if you want to have a quick reset now, feel free. You should feel uh, the entire cell under your finger pads. And you can tell the upper, middle, and lower dots when your hands are moving. So it's a slow and steady gliding movement, almost like you're trailing your fingertips through water or wiping a table, that kind of emotion. We're going from left to right as well. So let's have a go at some of the things involved in tracking. So if you grab your braille, and I would love you to start by feeling the braille with a heavier touch or heavier pressure, as if you're dragging your hands through really thick mud. So how does that feel? And what do you notice? What sensations are happening in your hands right now? Okay, now we're gonna reset. So we're moving through this quite fast, but you can always come back to it later. And if there's something in particular that sticks with you, just stay with it as we're talking. Reset again. Now, I would love you to glide your hands over the braille as if you're trailing fingertips over a surface of water without wanting to break the surface. Or maybe trying to do what I used to do as a kid and try and feel a bubble. <laughs> it's kind of hard. So what sensations are you noticing in your hands now? And how does the braille feel now? Okay. So reset again. And our final part in this particular exercise uh, is to find a kind of a middle ground. Most people do. And I think of it as maybe the pressure that you would use to gently stroke a pet, a dog or a cat. How does that feel? And is it the same or different than how you normally read? So the more sensitive your hands become through tactile activities and reading braille, the lighter your touch will naturally be. Sometimes there's the temptation to move your fingers in a circular or up and down motion or even a back and forth motion on one particular part of a page until your fingers get used to the sensation of braille. So this technique is called scrubbing and it's um, usually you would also use a heavier touch as well because you're just trying to build up those neural pathways. So try to practice from left to right as much as possible. And have a think about if you notice yourself doing scrubbing in your own reading. And if you do, reset and try again. Remember also that Braille is not just about the dots themselves, but it's about the spacing as well. So try to notice where there are no dots. So for example, fuller cells or, or characters like T or N or Y or Q. Notice where there's space as well. So feel free to reset or do whatever you need to do. As we talk about our next topic, which is quite fascinating and quite um, overlooked, I think, in a, lot of, in a lot of ways when it comes to reading Braille. And it's called proprioception. Proprioception. And this, in a nutshell, is learning what a movement feels like. So, for example, 
proper cane technique is a form of proprioception because you're learning how it feels to move your hands, arms, wrists, and body together with a cane. So another example might be if you're feeling the body language of a guide, someone who's guiding you or a guide dog, and you're moving with them. When you move with someone new, you have to reset your own proprioception because they may be a little bit taller or take bigger steps or hold their arm further away from their body. So if we put it another way, it's the sensation of the movement and position of your own body in space, in the space around you. So when we're learning a new skill, proprioception is really important. And it's even more so for us as blind people who can't see how we're moving or visually observe and copy the movements of others. So we have to be shown or to experience the movement for ourselves. So for a Brailleist, we might uh, learn how to write Braille characters on a keyboard and how to form each character, how our hands need to form the characters and how our arms move. Or if you're learning to play an instrument, for example, a singer might learn how the sensation of singing each note feels as well as hearing it. And someone who plays a stringed instrument might feel the sensation of moving the bow straight across the strings. So this next set of experiments uh, is, was really inspired by when I began to learn violin with a blind teacher. So I had to observe the teacher playing a larger instrument called the viola. And what was involved in all of that movement, because I just didn't get it, I didn't understand how the noise was actually made and the way it was made. So I had to understand the smaller components of passing the bow straight across the strings to understand the full technique itself. And this is something we don't often touch on in Braille. So with this, the, the, what I call the viola technique, the fingers, the wrists, the elbows, and the shoulders are involved in one way or another. And it kind of caused me in a bit of a, an epiphany of the fact that we can use this technique to track in a straight line in Braille if we only understand how the different parts of it work. So this experiment takes a little bit of setting up. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but we'll give it a go. Experiment with me. Try and explore. Trust the process and just, just see what happens. Don't worry if something doesn't quite make sense to you. Just experiment with what you can as we're going along. And the purpose is to feel what it feels like to move in a straighter line. It also might help you to troubleshoot your own technique. So if you feel that something's going wrong in your own reading and uh, we uh, and you don't have access to a Braille teacher, you can try some of these things. So to know what feels natural and comfortable in terms of our posture and our reading, we have to first experience what does not feel natural and, and comfortable. So we want to focus on following a line of braille with just the right hand at this point. Most of these exercises are going to be done with the, the right hand because it's the hand that's going to encounter the braille first. Even if you're not used to reading braille with your right hand, um, give it a go anyway. So to start us off, I would like you to take your right hand and just hold it comfort in a comfortable position uh, off the table, off the surface. And I'd like you to take your left hand and run your hand from the tips of your fingers all the way down your hand, across your palm, and down to where your hand narrows. Okay, this is your wrist. The bit that's narrow is your wrist. 
So while holding your wrist, I'd love you to just turn your hand around in different ways. So you can kind of, you know, rotate it around. You can bring your palm to face the ceiling or to face the ground. And you can and move your hand a little bit sideways as well. You can feel how your wrist moves. It's a remarkable, remarkable joint. Then if you keep sliding your hand down from your wrist, you'll encounter your forearm. So that is the, the straight part of your arm that connects your wrist to your elbow. And finally, if you find the bony joint of your elbow and rest it on the table. Um, so the elbow moves in two different ways and we're gonna be experimenting with both of those ways. It can, so if you lie your, your hand flat on the table with your palm facing down on a, on a page, it can move two ways. It can move upwards. So it can move, you raise your hand towards your face or away from your face. face. Or it can move inwards. So if you imagine uh, bringing your hand across your front to touch your stomach with your palm touching your stomach. So upwards towards your face or inwards towards the center of your body, vertically or horizontally. That's how our elbow moves. And we're going to be experimenting with these, a couple of these techniques. Okay. So first we're going to say hi to the wrist. So this uh, being, noticing what your wrist is doing can be really useful if you notice that your hands are on an angle near the beginning or the end of a line. If you notice that the brow is going a little bit wonky there. So if you would like to place both your hands on the table beside each other flat in the top center, just like we did with our hand scanning technique, thumbs touching, arms, wrists and hands, comfortable and relaxed and your shoulders down. I don't want any shoulders near ears. <laughs> so if you now bend your elbows so that your hands rise towards your face until your palms are facing away from you, as if you're pushing against an imaginary closed window in front of you. Okay, or maybe if you're familiar with the analogy of a stop hand, so a stop or a high five. Uh, so your fingers may be pointing upwards towards 12 o'clock. And I want you to, at this point, rest your elbow on the table, just somewhere where it feels nice and comfortable. Drop your left hand. We're not worrying about the left hand right now. So on your right hand, keep your elbow still and anchored so it's stuck. Imagine that it's stuck to the table and your hand is in this vertical window position. Okay. So imagine you're keeping pressure, just gentle pressure against this, this closed window. Your palm is facing away. And I want you to do a really tiny wrist movement, really, really small. So keep your elbow steady and tilt your wrist to the side, kind of droop it to the side, almost like a wilting flower on a stalk so that your hands point to 11 o'clock. Then bring it back up to 12 o'clock and then gently to one o'clock. So you can kind of do this experiment with the sideways motion, really, really tiny as kind of like a pendulum or the hands of a, a tactile watch. Now I want you to do this exact same movement. So if you straighten your arm and lay your hand flat on your braille page again, um, if you've got a textured surface like a, a placemat, you can also, or a tablecloth, you can also do this on the table or whatever surface you have. Okay, so lay your hand flat and try this exact same wrist movement. Just keep your, your elbow and your forearm relatively still and do that kind of pendulum motion on the page itself. And notice what happens. 
where does your hand go? How do you, how are you encountering the braille from this point? Okay. And one thing you can do as you're passing your hand across the line of braille is you can try the 11 o'clock position at the beginning of the line, straighten up to 12, and then find the one o'clock position at the end. You'll notice something really weird's happening with your braille technique. Okay. So now uh, give your hands a bit of a shake, give your hands a bit of a reset. If you feel like you want to practice this technique more, feel free. We're, we're just going to move on to the next step. Okay, now we're going to talk about the elbow. And for this one, it's a very exaggerated movement. And we would never normally move this way. So just trust me, okay? The shoulders will move a little bit differently during this exercise, and that's absolutely fine. So sometimes this movement can happen when our arms get tired or our hands go a little bit sideways. We might be noticing that this is happening. So with your hand flat on the page, I would like you to bend your elbow in towards the center of your body with your palm touching your front. So touching your stomach or anywhere on your body that feels comfortable. Palm is touching that area. Then if you do the same with your left hand across uh, the, the, and, and bending in towards your body as if you're kind of hugging yourself. Your palm is also touching your stomach or the front of your body. So get rid of your left hand. We don't want to be worrying about that right now. We're just, again, focusing on the right hand. So what I want you to do with your palm still touching your body is to draw a line from the left-hand side of your body to the right-hand side of your body. You don't have to go like until you can't touch your body anymore. Keep your hand in contact with your body the whole time and draw a line with your palm across your body from left to right. And notice what your arm's doing because your arm might be kind of escaping a little bit out to the side. It might be really far out. It might be not quite so far out, but imagine you're trying to touch your neighbor with your elbow. Okay. Um, so while we're doing this, try and keep our shoulder down so that the line is kind of horizontal. So it won't feel very nice. It's, it feels a little bit strange. So now place your hands on the braille, find a line, and then do the same movement. So start with your hands in the, the normal braille reading position, and then move your elbow out to the side. And you might find that your hand kind of does a bit of a wonky sideways thing. And it feels a bit strange, but you but notice, do you do you notice yourself doing this in your own reading? What's happening with your hands? So just experiment with this in your own time. What's happening? What, what's, what's your shoulder doing? And do you feel tense in your arms and shoulders at all? Our final experiment together this, uh, for this session, if we do a bit of a shake and a, and a reset and a hand warm up, uh, is that we are going to now focus on the forearm. So that's the bit that joins your wrist to your hands because we know what it feels like when our wrists and our elbows move differently. And now we're going to go with our forearm. We're going to try that. So we're going to start with our hand scan position, our thumbs touching flat on the table as if we're going to do a hand scan. Okay. Now we're going to relax our shoulders and bend our elbows upwards again so that our um, hands are raising towards our face and our palms are facing away from us and as if we're touching that window again in front of us, fingers pointing towards 12 o'clock. Okay, so for this one, I'd like you to rest both elbows on the table in a comfortable position. Put your hands 
together so that they're touching and then just slowly draw your hands apart while your palms are still facing away as if you're opening or parting some curtains on a really, really tiny window about shoulder width wide. You know that if you've gone too far because your hands will feel like they're on a bit of an angle. Um, so keep your elbows kind of close into you and try this movement. So hands together and then draw your hands horizontally from left to right apart as if you're opening the curtains on a tiny little window. Now straighten your hands, put your hands down flat on the braille and do exactly the same thing. Part your hands and see what happens. Notice what you notice. Your hands may feel like they're in a different position. If you bring your arms and your elbows closer into your body so that you're not tempted to reach out and touch your neighbor with your elbow. Uh, and for the purposes of this exercise, we can either practice with a hand scan technique or with the tips of our fingers. Okay. So those are just some basic techniques that you can begin practicing and experimenting with in your own time to help you hone in on your braille technique and work out maybe what's going on. Okay. So just before we end, I've got some quick fire sort of tips and things to, to bear in mind before we go to questions. Reset often, do it a lot. We've done it a lot in this session and I can't emphasize this enough. It's really, really important. Position yourself in your braille so that it feels comfortable and uh, that you can move your body and the braille throughout the session. So don't sit still like a statue. Your shoulders are allowed to move. Your body is allowed to move just very subtly. Don't, you, you don't have to sit you know, like a, like a statue. Notice where your shoulders are. They want to be down and relaxed, not near your ears. This tends to happen, especially if people are really concentrating, they'll shrug their shoulders up near their ears. Practice regularly and find ways to practice reading. So that C, that, that third C of consistency in the three Cs. Because we're building the neural pathways and it's tiring. So give yourself plenty of time, plenty of breaks and shorter sessions if you need to. Remember to share your progress with those around you as well and with us at the Brailless if you want to, because we love hearing your stories. And remember to start from where you are, because everyone is at different stages and we try not to compare. So no matter what your current speed or reading level is, remember that you can use Braille however feels right for you. That's really important. There's no right or wrong way to use Braille. And enjoy it. You, if, you, if you are reading and you're not enjoying it, you won't do it. So find ways to enjoy it. Find activities that give you that spark of enjoyment. So I'd like to finish with just a quote that I found that I really like uh, that kind of brings us, brings us back uh, and, to, and reminds us of the absolute brilliance of Braille. The quote is, there's a wonder in reading Braille that the sighted will never know. To touch words and have them touch you back. Right, that's me. Let's hand over to Matthew and take some questions. Well, well, well. Thank you very much, Chantelle, for an excellent masterclass. Uh, very, very inspiring and a lot of very practical tips there that I'm sure many people uh, will be taking back with them. And I know I, for one, will certainly be listening to the podcast to take in some of that stuff uh, in more detail. We have, uh, I say, a number of hands, so I'm going to go to Dawn. Uh, so uh, here we are. Okay, so my questions are, how, what do you recommend for somebody that has conditions like neuropathy or bursitis or arthritis? And also, what do you recommend for someone that has spatial issues, 
and tremors and that kind of stuff because I'm working with people that have both of these types of conditions. Mm, I understand. Uh, and this is this is where it begins to get a little bit interesting because we, we need to find ways um, of, um, I guess, engaging people with, with Braille in a way that works for them. So I... Um, hmm. There's so many different ways I can answer this question. Um, I think the first thing is to to help people to become really comfortable with whatever their sense of touch is at the moment. I also work with people with um, a bit of neuropathy in their hands, so it might be worth doing uh, if if you're able to measure their uh, how how comfortable they are with their sense of touch and maybe do some of these pre-braille tactile activities first to help assist that. So um, focusing on pre-braille is really important at this stage because then you can um, you can figure out the best way to tackle the actual braille reading techniques themselves. So whether it's tracking lines on a page or whether it's doing these tactile activities with reset objects or other things, focus on that one first and that will give you a bit more of an idea of actually how they're engaging with the braille and as they're, as they're moving their hands across. Uh, there, there may be other, other resources around that, like, I mean, some people would recommend using something like um, Jumbo Brow to get people used to the sensation. I personally don't generally recommend that because it's less available. But um, maybe try focusing on that those pre-Braille skills first. Um, and that, that might give you a bit more of an idea of where people are at and how to, how to help them. Okay, yeah, because a lot of these people, the people that I'm working with, it's all virtual, whether it's on Zoom or over the phone. So that makes it a little trickier to help, but, I, but I'm doing the best I can. Of course, of course. And this, I mean, this whole, the, the techniques that I talked about, the way of explaining the techniques I talked about um, was done over COVID. Uh, so so I had to I had to learn how to actually create this shared vocabulary so that I could continue to teach new Braille readers this way. So think of, um, so you might think of when you're developing your own vocabulary, you might think of using someone's body or the table as a reference point, as a starting point, and then go from there. So just, just play with it and, and encourage people to experiment and just be really honest about where they're at and see how you go. Brilliant. Thank you, Dawn, for your question. And uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off so abruptly there. Um, we have, uh, I'm going to go to Kowal next. Uh, we have Steve Plowman with his hands up after uh, after Kowal. So after Kowal, I will go to Steve. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're saying good evening to Kowal. Um, hello, uh, Chantel. Um, I've got two points to make, really. For the first point is uh, when... Uh, people teach children braille like I did for instance some time ago they didn't have um, anyone to show them how to track the braille and this is really important because um, when sighted people are teaching children braille they don't know what to do and that's my one point and the other point is uh, personally I um, use a braille display to read braille and I'm a experienced braille reader and sometimes I get very tired hands if I've read electronic Braille for very, very long. And I, I want to know what you think, you know, you can do to that so that your hands don't ache once you've been reading on a Braille display for a long time. Uh, that depends on how your hands are aching. So if your fingertips are aching because you're feeling the Braille, that's one thing. And that's where um, reset might help you to do, uh, to, to kind of um, 
I guess, recalibrate and get the feeling back in your hands, maybe to reset your hands. The other thing is if if your hands and arms and wrists and things are aching um, because of you've been kind of in more that static position. So with, with a braille display, uh, you're moving your hands from left to right, but you're not necessarily moving your hands backwards and forwards. So you could potentially try changing the position of your braille display on the, the table a little bit. Um, and just really remembering, remembering some of those um, techniques about positioning your hands hands and arms so that they're natural and comfortable. But certainly if your hands are, are aching, maybe either um, use a, a lighter touch if you can, or maybe don't read for quite as long in one session if you can help it, or just the frequent resetting. That I find that tends to help a lot of things. Okay. Um, it's not so much the, um, the, the moving hands and forward, but it's because you've got to move your thumbs to go down the line. You know, your hands start getting tense and that's what it is. Yeah. And so for that, you can just do uh, like um, you can gently massage your hands as well. So it's, and that's that's really good if you're trying to warm up your hands. If your hands are cold, you can just give your hands a little bit of a massage one hand at a time um, on those places that it feels tense to just help to relax those muscles as well. OK, great. Thank you very much. That's no problem. Thank you, Koal, for your question. Um, I will un uh, now go to Steve Plowman. Uh, hello. You're now unmuted. Hi, good evening, everybody. Hi, Mel. Um, I was just—I was trying to follow your um, um, your uh, little exercises there, and um, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm using the fingerprint calls books five and six. So um, when I'm reading or trying to read, I have to make sure that the pad of my finger is is square on the cell. With that, because if I find the pad off centre on the cell, I'd, I'm, I'm losing the shape of the cell, and I don't know that. That's that. That's that's correct. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. And you can and you can hone this technique by practicing. Um, Two things your, your hand scanning will help because it will help you to detect where the different lines are um, and also by just practicing some of these some of these movements that we talked about so for example um, using your your forearm like the opening the curtains movement but going across the braille as you normally would um, with your hand sort of flat your finger flat on the entire cell you should be able to feel the whole cell and sometimes this technique you, you it just um, involves just practicing that particular movement because once you get used to this movement of feeling the line straight across, um, whether it's at the top or the middle or down the bottom of the page, once you get used to that, it, your hand will naturally kind of gravitate to, to moving in that position. And if you notice what your your hands and your elbows and your forearms are doing by, you know, just playing with some of these, so you don't have to do the exact techniques that, that I said, but playing with the movement of your wrist and your elbow and your forearm. If you notice how your arms are moving, it might help you to to kind of troubleshoot on your own uh, how to keep that straight technique. Okay. Um, what also when when you're talking about the three C's, uh, consistency, code, and context. Context. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'm at the point where I I can't remember all the contractions, and. Um, so I'm, I'm, there's an element of guessing going on. There's an element of uh, what I think the shape is, what the word is and the context and all that sort of stuff. But uh, what, what worries me about all that is at what point do I start to memorize the, the codes? You know what I mean? 
I do. This is actually a really beautiful place to be in your learning. It's an absolutely fantastic place to be. And the reason I say that is because um, at this point, we're, we're kind of, um, we're, we're learning about code, but we need also the context in order to get a handle on the code. So we're learning how the shapes feel, we're, but we're also needing to, to memorize them at the same time. So, I mean, really the, the answer is, um, to this question is consistency, so the consistency of practice. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that, that people aren't practicing, but the more that you practice, um, maybe with some easier text, I know, um, I know that sometimes going back um, to some easier text or some different parts of, of the course uh, for, for people may be a little bit boring, but it's, it's highly useful because you can go over text that's quite familiar without necessarily having to decode everything all the time. And that helps you when you're memorizing your, your contractions and your different, different letter shapes. Okay, so that that was another point actually. So, um, I so when I read the, when I'm going over the braille in in um, when I've read because this is my third attempt I, over a period of sort of ten years. This is my third attempt. So I'm very familiar with the work of the wording of the fingerprint course. You know, I know Bill and Jane like they were my own. You know, and um, so um, I was wondering whether I, I'm almost cheating because I know I can I know what's coming. You know. Yeah, and I was going to say that. No, you're absolutely not. You're not. Because what, what, what at this stage, what we're doing is we're, we're familiar enough with the shapes to be able to get some of that context and some of that fluency. You're not cheating. As a, this, this is why it's such a brilliant place to be in, because you're on that cusp of a breakthrough. So just keep going, keep, keep learning, and, um, and just keep experimenting with it. Well done. Okay. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. That's no problem. Thank you very much, Steve, for all of your questions. It's good to have you on here tonight. We've got a lot of questions now. Uh, we're going to go to Rosanna next. Uh, so, hello, Rosanna. You're now unmuted. Good evening. Hi there. Good evening, Matthew. Hi, Chantel. Uh, you are just an absolute mine of information, and, and I, I can't wait to get on and practice all those techniques. Um, I've just got one question. I'm fairly new to Braille, but I'm doing really well. Um, I did the early learners last year, the beginners course, and um, I'm now reading grade two Braille. Um, I'm reading novels. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. But the the one thing that I'm constantly stuck on is the CH um, sign and the K. Um, I, I can never recognize and I've got all the other contractions everything else I'm 99% of the time I have to see what the next letter is to sort of guess if it's a k or a ch is there any trick just for that you know to get me through and also another thing I've noticed I'll throw it in quickly because I know there's lots of people waiting I've got a braille display which I love reading but I prefer reading um, my books because with the Braille display, I lose the tracking skill. When I go back to my book, if I haven't read the book for a while, it's almost like starting again with the tracking, with staying on the line and, and um, going down. Um, so that, that's, that's just a curiosity. But the K and the CH. K and CH. You know what? I, I think that you actually answered your own question. I really, really do. Um, and the reason I the reason I say that is because it is all about that context. It goes back to that la, that that um, that that middle C, the the second C, the code, the context. Because you've got the code. Now you're talking about that tracking skill, which is really important. 
so tracking straight, making sure that your hand is as straight and as full on the cell as you can possibly get it, which I know you already know, it really is just down to that context. It, I know that may sound like a really simple answer, and it really is that simple. It's just down to the context. Yeah, yeah. So keep 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 hacking away at it, um, and it will eventually go in. Yeah, because the spacing is important. So so learning how the characters are spaced apart, because it might be. Uh, you know, um, a CH and then followed by something else like a like an E, or it might be followed by a f- like a like a four six something. So it's just it's just a matter of figuring out that spacing, and you'll only get that through that movement, through that motion. Okay, thank you. No problem. Thank you very much, Rosanna. We are going to go to Hazel Highland. Uh, Hazel, hello. Good evening. You're now unmuted. Hi, yes, good evening. Chantel, first of all, thank you very much. Um, I've been using Braille since I was three and I hadn't realised that some of the techniques you were talking about tonight have come to me as automatic. Um, But that's probably because I've been using it for so long. But I have a question and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this or whether it's just something I've been puzzling with. With sighted readers, they can develop dyslexia when they're having trouble sort of deciphering words and things like that. Can that happen with Braille readers as well? Don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, the, I mean, we, we encounter problem like diff, a different set of problems. Um, like, well, I mean, I guess it's not too too different, but like you know, you know, things like um, reversing characters and things. But that's more just a practice thing. I don't actually know the answer to that. I'm sure that somebody else does. And if you do, um, let us know, and we'll talk about it in a braille bar. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's. What, I wasn't sure if you would know the answer to that one, but I've been sort of saying to people who've been had trouble with the words I've been saying well look it might be the simple case of you do have some form of dyslexia there but I'm no expert it's just guesswork yeah I have no idea (laughs) thank you for your question we'll we'll certainly go away and find out if we can we'll do some research there thank you very much Hazel uh David Livingston I'm going to come to you next so um I believe you're in New Zealand so I guess it's good morning to you how's Wednesday um, it's good. Thank you so much, Matthew. Chantal, that was great. I just wanted to ask a question about similar to <clears throat> what somebody else had just asked. In the problems that I've encountered over here with reading is um it it's the you know the frustration of um deciphering what I'm what I'm reading and um, and I found that I've often gone over certain places and I can't work out what it is that I'm feeling because there's so much, the full, there's so many full cells, uh, one after the other. And it frustrates me to, you know, um, be going over the same thing again, again, because I'm, I'm, I'm tackling the, you know, the problem of just, just, just sort of working out what my fingers feeling in terms of the dots. Um, do you have anything to say? Because I, I was thinking about um, more about if we're encountering a, encountering a problem. Well, I, I found this helped me, but if I'm encountering a problem and I'm not able to decipher the uh, the arrangements of the do- the arrangement of the dots, um, looking at the arrangement of the spaces sometimes um could uh, help 
absolutely. It's like like I was saying um, when we were talking about the, the code and the context. Um, so that's actually a really good point is to focus on some of the spaces. So where there are, are no dots, that can be one way around it. Um, I mean, there's, there's loads of things, parts to your question, I think. Um, but so so um, certainly the, the arrangement of the spaces and, and uh, how things are arranged next to each other. So Braille isn't just about dots, there's spaces and spacing. So how, like whether there is an actual space, whether the the dots are on the right or the left-hand side of the cell uh, and, how, and what that kind of feels like. So going over those kinds of situations, if you're not sure. Um, as for the frustration, I can totally understand that. It's like, especially when you're on the cusp of that breakthrough, like some of our other people are, and we're just we're, we're learning to build up that skill of, of fluency, um, while also concentrating on the skill of accuracy. So, and the accuracy also comes first. And and what I would encourage is a, a bit of a mix of both. So you don't have to go over the same part. Um, loads and loads of times you can go over it like once or twice or three times um, and then just move on and come back to it a bit later in the session you might also value doing a reset um, just to kind of recalibrate a little bit because sometimes if your hands are not touching that surface you're not in braille mode anymore you're in reset mode or tactile mode so doing that and then coming back to it um, but I think we, there's a certain level of discomfort that we have to get used to in order to push through and, and make these breakthroughs by just persisting and, and keeping going and just being really aware like as a set of, of your your technique and the spaces thank you no problem thank you very much uh, for your question there david we're going to be coming next to kate risden uh, after kate risden we're going to be coming to a new person to the playlist who is georgie uh so it'd be nice to hear from you but for the time being kate risden uh, good evening you're now unmuted oh hello there um um i teach a lot of braille music um, and quite often that's to um, people who are relatively new to braille as well or not not experienced readers quite often transitioning from reading print to reading braille so they know the code but the reading technique isn't as fast or fluent as it could be and I find the act of getting them to sight sing or uh, rhythms and melodies um sort of means that they have to move they have to go because mu music won't wait for you it's got to be done with a pulse so i'm i'm sort of got this this feeling that 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 is kind of a good thing and i'd like to get shot of the myth that you've got to know all your braille contractions before you start reading braille music because we would never say that about maths um so that's one thing the other thing is the the chap who said that he thought it was it cheating to read text that you already knew well and I loved doing that as a child so I had lots of books that I had on talking book as a child for example the railway children or black beauty so a book you really love one of your childhood favorites get it in braille and read it alongside a really good audiobook version so it's pulling you along a little bit so even if you find the first word on each line or you find the each paragraph to start with and then go back and read it again and find some more and then switch the audio off and read it yourself so you sort of half know it you know what to expect and then look at the braille under your finger and compare it with what you know is is coming i actually as a child found it really wonderful to read the book i half knew by ear and and i i'm pretty sure that that helped to kind of move me along 
Um, I, I just and also there's a great joy in going back to old familiar favourite books and reading them with the braille. Um, that that is you know you need to, you need lots of joy in learning to read braille. And the other thing that I would love to say is that I agree entirely about braille display difficulties with the thumb pressing the button every five minutes. And I like my braille on paper because of the mapping of the page. And, um, oh, I know that chapter. It was, I want to read that chapter again. And I know it was halfway down page 55 and finding the page and using, as you say, your whole hand to find that. So I, I really concur with all of that. That's marvellous. Uh, sorry, Chantelle, I didn't know if you wanted to say anything in response to what Kate just said. Um, I I agree with the the. I mean, the only the only the only thing was the musicians uh, reading Braille. Uh, in fact, I did a, a big pilot project over here um, with that exact thing. So so teaching a, a group of already. Um, you know, musicians sighted, uh, who had been sighted, uh, who had recently lost their vision, um, and teaching them their uh, contracted braille at the same time so the, and, and I did it um, to see if it was possible it is it is absolutely possible but you have to um, be in in a certain like you've got to be really motivated and really confident with the uncontracted or with with the braille um, shapes first before you before you then go, go into the code switching and things like that so no thank you appreciate that okay well thank you very much and i'm sure um that there'll be a lot more to say on this topic in the months to come uh, thank you very much kate for those uh, questions and those comments uh i'm going to go next to uh, as i say georgie uh i'm then going to go to james bowden uh so georgie sidner good evening or good afternoon or wherever you are uh welcome hi your presentation was super super good uh it was great um, I just wanted to respond to two questions people had. Um, so as far as dyslexia, I teach adults Braille, like adult students. Um, and I've definitely had a few students who are genuinely dyslexic, like who have truly have dyslexia. Um, I would say the majority of the time that a person is a lot of times when a person saying that they are, in my experience, have been just struggling with you know, typical reversals that you get in the beginning of just learning Braille. But I have had a few who definitely, it's just very apparent because it's, you know, a, a reading disability overall. Like it's clearly not the Braille itself. Like they're just having, it just looks very different. Um, I will say like those students have been able to learn Braille. So what I tend to tell people is like, yeah, like dyslexic sighted people still learn to read, like just because you have dyslexia and are blind doesn't mean you, you know, can't overcome that the same way a sighted reader would. So they just have to kind of, you know, take the time, push through it and all that stuff. It, de it definitely is a thing that can happen, though, um, with Braille readers. I've seen it a couple of times. Um, and my other just quick thought was as far as the thumb keys on the Braille display, this is a somewhat complicated solution, but you can go... You can go in your Braille display and switch what each thumb key does. So if your hands are getting really sore in a certain configuration, because I use a Braille display a lot. I mean, I love paper Braille, but it's just so convenient. You know, um, you can go in, for instance, and make it like instead of the second and third, make it the second and fourth thumb key. And then you that sort of moves your hands and you have to get used to a new hand position. But it does like because it's a new position, it it does sort of help with that. Like your hands are laying in a new way and then you can 
it's almost like a reset, you know, like you're not as sore. So that does help. You just have to have the, you know, you have to be somewhat tech savvy to go into the settings and finagle around with it. But it, it does help a lot if you go in and do that. Um, but yeah, it's you super good information. Agreed with everything you had to say. It was so, so good. Thank you. Thank you for your time. That's brilliant. Thank you for those comments, Georgie. And it's good to uh, have you in the session. I think it's your first time coming to one of these. Um, okay, James Bowden next. And after James, we will try and cycle back and we'll try and get to Russell and uh, anybody else that pops up in the meantime. But for now, uh, good evening, James. You're now unmuted. Good evening, Chantal. A fantastic presentation. I was actually going to come back to Rosanna. Um, you talked about K and the CH. Now, I struggled when I was a child, I read the fish mop and I really did not understand what a fish mop was. Of course, it was a fish shop because, of course, I misread an M as an SH. It really is about hand position, getting it straight. Um, if, you have your, if, you, if you have your fingers straight, you'll notice the dot one, just that little bit ahead of the dot six. Whereas if it's a K or an M, the dot one and the dot three should be read almost simultaneously mm, you're right so I hope, I hope that helps i think it does thank you very much james for that okay um we are uh, going to just try russell once more i'm aware uh, that russell uh, we've had to use a slightly different link for you this time so maybe that's why russell we've managed to catch you now uh, hello good afternoon hi matthew and uh chantal great presentation and chantal you talked about um uh, I was 25 when I lost my sight in a car accident, so that's quite a few years ago now. I'm now 64, so I just retired from my 22-year job last week, so I'll have more time to practice my grail. My problem is I don't I don't have trouble with memorizing the contractions and all that. Like I have I have that down pat pretty much. My problem is getting to read with any speed, and I know you had suggested like slowing down and being accurate throughout than trying to read fast but my question is is it better if you making a conscious effort to try and improve your speed to sort of if you don't recognize the word just kind of keep going keep going instead of stopping and trying to figure it out or is it better to slow down until you get the words before moving on absolutely so that's a really great question and it's um there's not really a Great answer. Um, I, th I find that, um, so we talked about practicing code and consistency and the different ways that you practice. So um, it depends, I think, how comfortable you are with the code side of things. So I know you mentioned that you, you don't have a problem memorizing the contractions. I guess think about how comfortable you are feeling the braille first um, and how how confident you are that what you're reading is actually what you're reading because the the speed will come once you feel a lot more confident with with what you're reading so it may initially be that you're switching between code practice which is a lot more slow and deliberate and context practice which is a little bit faster um, and a little bit lighter um, so because when you're when you're focusing in on code and dots and things, it's it, that's one thing. Your your head's in one space. Your your hands are in dot mode, um, code mode. And then if you kind of practicing your context, that's when your fluency comes. And I think if you start noticing which one you're in and whether you can switch in between um, code versus context in your practice, um, it will help you to get a better idea of actually where you're struggling. So you know, are you stopping all the time on on shapes that feel fuller um 
or um, or longer groups of shapes. Um, and then, yeah, so I would I would do a little bit of both. So start with your code and then and then coming and then keep going and doing the context practice. And you could even maybe read um, some of the text that you've just done to start with and then continue on and see how you go. Um, just just play with it, experiment with it and see. Okay, I'm looking forward to trying those movements you talked about. I actually have um, the entire Harry Potter series in Braille and copy Braille. So, so when you uh, were doing a little practice test, I went and grabbed one of them and was reading a line and I noticed that um, <clears throat> it's not using UEB, so the BLE symbol was there. So I'm noticing that that was slowing me down because I'm used to UEB now. So. Mm. And that's going to be really different for you as well. But just keep just keep practicing it and just keep noticing, um, you know, what what you're doing, whether you're in code or context mode. Um, and just yeah, just just keep persevering. I think it's really important to get to to get uncomfortable with with skipping over words that you don't know. But if you find that you're doing that a lot um, with certain shapes or different um, shape configurations, it might be worth going back and just doing a bit of, of code practice again. Thanks, you guys. It's great. Thank you very much, Russell. I'm glad we were able to get you uh, unmuted there. And thank you so much for your question. Um, we have uh, another newcomer, actually, who I would like to bring in. Uh, we have Sophia Young Santa Maria. So, uh, Sophia, uh, we've now got you. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Chantel. I just wanted to thank you for such an amazing presentation. I thought it was articulated really lovely and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. Um, I just had a very quick question. Um, I am currently still in school. I run a very busy life, um, but I sometimes struggle with incorporating Braille in kind of my everyday because I am still a print user in school and reading Braille consistently is something that I'm currently struggling with, with increasing my speed. So I wondered if you had any recommendations for that. Other than just practice, <laughs> um, a lot of it is 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 just down to practice. But I do understand that. Like, um, are you getting any of your material in in for for school in Braille at all? Um, I have requested to have some Braille in quite a few of um, my subjects, just alongside that. Obviously, because I've been re reading print for such a long time, it's something that I'm very used to doing. Um, and Braille is kind of, I'm going through an in-between stage at the moment. I've been reading Braille for quite a while now. I've been reading grade two for about four years, I think now. Um, and it has just been sort of trying to increase my speed so that it's, it comes more naturally to me. But that's something that I've been struggling with for quite a while now. Mm, I can understand that. And I think, I mean, really it is, it is just down to practice um, and, and finding ways to, to fit that incidental practice. And in. so you might, you might take some notes in Braille at some point um, for something that you're studying um, and then go back over them because that, that will help because the text is familiar to you because you've written it yourself. Um, so that might help or going over some, some text that is familiar. So you can get the, you know, get the, the feeling of, of what it feels like. Are, are you thinking about reading in just in your head? You're not thinking about reading aloud? Um, yeah, in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we can, we can just really focus on that context piece. because so obviously you've got the code down packed. So just focus on the, on the con context. Um, and I, it really literally is just about practice. I, I can't think of a, a, of a sort of another way to, to increase speed with uh, first without having done, done a little bit more of that practice. And so just find ways to practice, make a conscious effort to do it if you can. Yeah. yeah. It's something that I've, I've been, I've always been recommended is just to have that consistency. 
Yeah, because your hands on the braille is what's important. Because unless you're doing it all the time, um, you know, you're you're not going to be able to um, progress. At, you know, with your reading speed, unless you're actually practicing reading in motion and at speed. Um, so it doesn't mean that you have to read so fast that you're not understanding stuff, but just just practice reading at different speeds. So you might want to practice reading a little bit slower so that you're you're getting everything, and then just just gradually increase your speed during just even just one session to see what what feels comfortable so you might want to just you know read um maybe a hair faster than what you feel comfortable with until you kind of get used to it just just experiment with with reading speed and motion and technique and see what what gels really so if you were to do for a bit i don't know a couple of some practice sort of every day how long do you would you recommend that i would spend learning or practicing my braille that's really up to you and your schedule and how and how comfortable you are with practice. So, I mean, some some people might only be able to fit in 10 to 15 minutes of Braille, but some people might be able to do, you know, half an hour to an hour or, or whatever if they're a little bit more advanced. Um, but it's more important that you're actually touching Braille and doing it rather than how long you're doing it for because it's that quality over quantity at this point. Okay, awesome. Thank you. No worries. Thank you. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm going to go back to James. I'm going to unmute you and let you uh, let you talk to that. Sophia, can I bring you back to Kate's um, comment? Find a book that you really love reading. Might be a childhood favourite, for example. Um, I was at boarding school. Kate was at boarding school. And one of the things that used to happen is we used to take a book with us and read it in bed. Lights out. You've got a book. You can read as long as you don't fall asleep. Um, and it's obviously a book that you want to read. And even if you just read five minutes and like two pages or whatever, that's great. Mm. Just whatever feels comfortable for you. Thanks, James. That familiarity is important and stuff that you enjoy. You know, those two things are really, really important. Thank you very much for that, James. Um, Alison Van Etten, uh, esteemed member of the Brailists Foundation Book Club. Uh, I'm going to come to you next. Uh, good afternoon. Hello, everybody. Um, Sophia, another another piece of advice that I actually discovered when I was in college because I was trying to improve my fluency as well is uh, using Braille for studying. Because what's great about Braille is it's literacy. So if you know by if you if you write up what your you know notes and whatnot in for school, then you're studying for school while also working on your Braille. It seems like you're sort of separating school and Braille practice at the moment, like whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Because I remember I was I, I was studying for a history final and it was a conglomeration of quizzes that we'd taken throughout the the semester and I made a typo near the end of a page and I was just too lazy to fix it because I understood what the typo was and I was like I'll remember and I remember taking the final and going wait a minute I know the answer to this question because the blank part the part where the word should be was where I made the typo and because I read it in braille I remembered it more clearly and I was just like whoa so you might you might want to do that. It would be very helpful, and it would be multitasking. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Great advice. Brilliant. Thank you, Alison. We have a repeat question from Kowal. Uh, so I'm going to unmute you, Kowal, and uh, say good evening to you again. I just wanted to say that um, I think it's important that if people can write Braille, then they can read back what they've what what they can't read. Because sometimes if you start writing what you can't read then you can try and and um, read it back to yourself then that might help as well absolutely i would definitely agree with that thank you thank you for that kawal um 
we have had a message in the chat uh, from Miss Potter, uh, who just says that she's going to advise that perhaps you could uh, make uh, essay plans and calendars and uh, anything else of that nature in Braille uh, rather than doing them in print. And then you could refer back to the Braille. And if you're referring back to your notes uh, that you've made in Braille rather than notes that you've made in handwriting, then that would be extra uh, reading practice. Yep, I agree with it. It is uh, coming up to the end of this uh, masterclass. Uh, thank you very much to everybody for attending today. It's been really good to see you and it's been really good to see some new faces to the Brailists. Please do uh, keep coming back. Uh, thank you to Chantel for producing such an excellent masterclass and for uh, presenting it so well and for being so patient with everybody's questions. I've been Matthew Horsepool on behalf of myself and everybody else at the Brailists. Uh, thank you for coming. We'll see you soon. And bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast Extra. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Brailists events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at brailists.org slash newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at brailists.org slash events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at brailists.org. You can also find the Brailists on Twitter at Brailists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike, so if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Brailists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.